like failure is just a data point. You know what I mean? And it, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to romance failure, but it is just, it is the recipe in order to success and understand that failure is a data point. Um, the highs aren't going to be as low as high as the lows are going to be as lows. And as you get used to it and becoming more akin to failure, you're going to realize that that new comfort zone of being working in failure is where you're going to have probably your biggest growth, your biggest epiphanies, your biggest movements. Well, today on Afternoon Tea, I am very, very excited to have the Jayesh Palmer joining us. Let me just set this up before we get into the, the details, the nitty gritty and the good stuff. Originally hailing from Saskatoon, Jayesh is the former CEO, co-founder of Picatick.com, which was acquired by Eventbrite in 2018. Jayesh is an active investor, a lifelong student, and has jumped back into being a co-CEO, co-founder, very brave of you, of Gunky the world's sexiest tongue scraper. I have to say it like that, don't I? Giving back to the community and those in need has always been at heart of what drives JS's passion. Alongside his mission is to build profit and purpose companies with team cultures that are immersed in giving, cheekiness like that, fun and adventure. Gunky incorporates his Indian roots and the Avedic, I hope I said that right, system of medicine while embracing his teaching background and love of helping children. More importantly, Jayesh believes that profit is not a standalone benefit, but rather a shared responsibility to serve those with fewer means. And I agree, Jayesh. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, thanks very much for having me. Well, it is it is a true honor of mine, and you know, I mean, Picatech. Um, we'll, we'll start with Picatech. We'll move into the to the new realm of excitement that you've that you've started with. Um, but you know, Picatech for me was always something that I've always been really proud of as a Vancouver entity. Let's just say I I, I remember we spoke. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but you and I actually traded emails about six years ago for the first Van Hacks because you sponsored as a as a ticketing host of 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 the very first Van Hacks, and I, I hadn't I don't know if I thanked you enough, but but thank you for 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 being part of that. Well, I mean, the thank you is maybe going on the other way. I mean, it takes community to go out there and build a startup, uh, and you know how difficult these things are to go, and, and especially those early adopters, so those extreme users uh, embracing us is uh, it's what. It's what made us to what we are. So uh, actually, thank you. Love it. Love it. Love it. We'll, we'll tell you what then. Let's just go with the blunt question. Tell me yeah, about Picatech. Give me, give, me, give me the history, the setup of Picatech. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, most people don't know this, but I, it all started back when I was, it was 20 years old and I was in university. University of Saskatchewan. Mm -hmm. My buddy and I, his name is, is Dr. Avinashi. He's an optometrist in North Vancouver right now. We're uh, he, wonderfully talented, but you know, back when we were 20 years old, we were both uh, in Saskatoon uh, and we were both working at sidewalk sale. I was working in a jean store. He was working in at Le Chateau that's now gone. That's how old we are. Uh, and in regards to sidewalk sale, it's glorified security people were 20 uh, and and just making sure that really nobody steals anything. So we got all day to really talk to each other. And we, you know, we, we, we started banging our heads around and the problem that we wanted to solve at that time, again, mind you, we're 20, uh, our priorities were a little bit different. Um, I, I'm, I'm proud to say that we're, we're, uh, we're a little bit more intelligent and our EQ has gone up, I hope. Uh, but at that time we wanted to go out there and, and meet girls, get paid, uh, and party uh, and, and, and solve that nut and that problem. And so what we in BDC, Business Development Bank Canada, was given a, a business loan. And at that time, uh, we decided to go out there and, and become DJs. Uh, fast nice. forward, 
we end up buying a whole bunch of DJ equipment from pawn shops. We got the, we, you know, we got the loan, we paid it back. We, all the colleges hired us fast forward a little bit more. We started putting on our own events fast forward a little bit more. It was like, you know, that was in 2008. It was really difficult to go out there and, and, you know, chase people for money for tickets. We didn't know exactly, you know, are we going to lose money? Are we going to, you know, it was just this whole cart horse situation and our, our cash flow was, was always tight. And so we just, you know, we wanted to solve it out of a pure forcing function of we wanted to scratch our own itch. Uh, and that's how uh, Picketic started. And so we got a, a lot of, you know, I think these are the words I'll start using, but like we had we had a minimal viable product, we had product market fit. Uh, we then, you know, we then expanded and then, um, you know, we got, we, we got that adoption. Uh, and then we realized that we need to go out there and expand. And, and my, my, my co-founder at that time, which he was, he was my buddy, which is Pav, the doctor, he went to optometry school, and then I moved to San Francisco, went mm-hmm. to an accelerator, moved to Toronto, went to an accelerator, went to New York, went to accelerator to learn all the things that don't, they don't really teach you uh, at that time in school, and uh, was able to raise money and, and go out there and scale, penetrate the world, and the rest is history. Well, okay, so we've gone from Saskatchewan to San Francisco to Toronto to New York, and now Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Why why was Vancouver the right city for Picatech then? Well, I mean, here's the thing is we, we got pregnant in, in Manhattan. We were living in Manhattan. My wife and I were there mm-hmm. and the staunch Canadian, I'm a, I'm a true and true proud Canadian. Um, the, the thing that my wife and I, and she, we're both from Saskatchewan she's mm-hmm. originally from Modena. I'm from Saskatoon. Uh, we wanted our, our, our child, which is, his name is Jai. He's now eight years old, which is crazy. Uh, thank you. Uh, he, but we wanted him to be Canadian, but at the, also there's like, you know, there, there's a, there's a blog that I wrote is how the village, uh, how, and I, I pushed it out maybe 2013, how the Valley can kill your startup. Uh, and I, and what I realized is, is that there's a lot of competitive advantages of being in Canada. And these are the things that, I mean, they still hold true. One is, is that the greenback versus the CAD, there's, you know, there's a, there's maybe a 30% pop that you get there. The talent mm-hmm. is phenomenal. Uh, mm-hmm. Attracting new talent in Canada with the express entry visa, like that's phenomenal. Uh, we don't have the executive chef needs that you end up having, you know, at the Googles and the Facebooks, I call them the heated toilet seats. Mm-hmm. Um, things, little things like healthcare, we, you know, we just don't have to really worry about, we can, you know, so our use of, of funds gets excelled and then you put shred and IRAP and all these government aspects on there. It was just really, really advantageous for us to really go out there and have more swings at the bat and being in Canada. So, uh, it, you know, I, I, if, if, even if I had to do it right now, I'd do it back in Canada. Fantastic. Fantastic. But why Vancouver over say Regina or Saskatoon? <laughs> Ah, yes. Well, I mean, the, again, the, the other thing that we went around there is one is the weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, it's a two hour flight to, to the Valley. So in the same time zone. So, I mean, we, we were in San Francisco. I've gone, I've, I've left in the morning, came home in the evening at many times. Uh, so that's, uh, that's why it's proximity. No, I definitely dig that. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the same, same boat for that. I love the, the, the one day traveling and you can get yeah. so much done at the same time. Well, so I guess the first company was that, that was called boom music. Is that, is that true? <laughs> yeah. You're yeah, DJing with DJ boom? I love yeah, that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Well, where did you, where did you realize that, Hey, you know what? DJing is only going to get me so far. This ticketing thing is kind of getting really interesting. When did you realize, Hey, we got to quit DJing. We need to focus on that ticketing. I, I guess it was it was one of these things where I, I kind of just sat to myself. I was like, "Well, why is this person, you know, worth a billion dollars and this one's worth a million dollars?" So I started taking a look at it, like market size and your catchment ratios, 
and and started thinking about that that space and i was like okay well wait a second here like i mean like these folks aren't any smarter Mm -hmm. I hope than, than what I could learn. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just, there's a magnitude of risk, different forcing function, the ability to go out there and have access to capital, serendipitous moments by putting a whole bunch of smart people in different places. And I was like, well, listen, I got to get outside of, uh, of this comfort zone. And I was like, well, I want to go out there and create something that I can sell to the world. And mm -hmm. so that's really what it was. It was maybe just, I mean, you know, she had a bit of modesty is like maybe a little bit of ego that was like, Hey, I think I can build something that the world's going to really like, which is, you know, mixture of craziness, but like, that was really, it It was like, well, you know, how can I raise that ceiling? And, and, you know, the, the boom music, it had a whole bunch of, we had a whole bunch of staff. It was very localized. And I just thought there was just more that I could go out there and bite or try naively. Um, and, and uh, I got beat up for it a lot along the way because there's things I just didn't know. And I just didn't, mm -hmm. I wasn't, I wasn't aware that it was going to be as hard as it was. But so, isn't that, that is the mission of what we're doing here though, to try to make that path for the next generation of Canadian entrepreneur that much easier. So thank you. We need you to share those bumps and bruises yeah. along the way so we can make yeah. it easier for the next gen, right? hundred percent. I mean, absolutely. I, 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 you know, there's, there's things that I wish I would have known. Um, and, and the thing that I do now is, is if I can, I want to be helpful. I want to go out there and create areas where people can go out there and connect, provide knowledge. Um, and hopefully people aren't going to bang their heads as much as I did. <laughs> very good. Very good. Yeah. So Eventbrite, obviously, I mean, this is a world-class organization. When, when mm -hmm. did they start showing up on your radar? It was unique. Um, you know, we had, uh, first of all, you're right with Eventbrite. It's a world-class organization. Absolutely. The founder, Julia, and, and her husband, uh, they're just like a husband and wife team that run this company and they built it up. And it was, Fantastic. It was definitely something that, um, yeah, we, we partnered and we got acquired by the right people. And so, so, so lucky that we did. But um, it was unique. It was this, you know, we have other people come in and we had other people kicking tires. And they, they come in and they'll have like their, their corp dev folks reach out to us. Um, or, or, or different channels. This one was a unique one where the second in command just linked in me uh, eight months prior to it happening and said, hey, we should compare notes. And, uh, you know, it was such this unorthodox way of doing it. And I was like, yeah, mm -hmm. let's compare notes. We ended up meeting, um, you know, and it was, it was unique. It was, it was, his name, this guy was named Randy. He was a, he was a, it was, it was a beautiful experience. He was a ex-Wall Street guy, mm -hmm. um, you know, and you read his bio and it's from here to the ceiling. And, and then when I met him the first time, he had this Mickey Mouse t-shirt on, Super Valley style. I'm not sure if he was even wearing shoes. And I, there could have been a stain on it. Like he's, like, he's just, like, it was just that, uh, that good. Anyways, we met and uh, it was an eight-month roller coaster until you know, we, we finally got acquired, and then and then we went public uh, a month later, and, and got to go out there and see that lifestyle life cycle. Very cool, very cool. So, and I, I assume you had to go down to the valley often to uh, to to meet with them. They, did they ever come up here as well? Yeah, yeah. That's you know, it was definitely a relationship aspect. So it was it, you know, again, this is this is the again naivety. I mean, these are things that they don't teach you in school, and I, I was so naive and green to it. But I just you know, I thought there was going to be you know a little bit of due diligence, and it'd be pretty simple. It was a lot of due diligence, mm -hmm. uh, and I didn't realize why. Um, but now I do know is that because the company was one public and then we found that later through. Um, so I guess, you know, they, they want to really making sure that there's no, you know, dead skeletons in a newly acquired company uh, that, mm -hmm. that could jeopardize a share price, uh, you know, six weeks later. Uh, so that was good. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was definitely, 
you know, me going down there a lot. Um, and then, you know, that's keeping it private from the team. And then, and then, you know, them, they, they brought their whole executive team, which was, you know, a whole bunch of folks come, you know, we did a lot of dinners, mm-hmm. um, went up to grouse and had, had dinner and it was just, a, nice. you know, it was just so it's, it's a journey. It's a big relationship. And then it, it basically is a marriage uh, and that's what it felt like. And that's what we did. Well, that's interesting. I mean, obviously you have to kind of keep this, you know, at a certain level of executive, just in case it doesn't go anywhere, creates rumors and all that. But how was, how was the, when you told that, when you told the team, Hey, there's an acquisition, it's a great company. What was, what was the, what was the response? Well, so here's the thing. I mean, it's like when you end up having such this big, which is effectively the David and then, or the Goliath and David, I don't know, the big one. Um, uh, Yeah. (laughs) It's a, you know, at the beginning, I could hide it. I could hide it well in the sense, like, and in, in, as, a, as a CEO and a founder, you really want to be careful because one is that you, how are you going to go out there and spend your time? Two is like, if you end up going down this route and they don't acquire you, what type of signaling does that do to your, internally to your team mm-hmm. in terms of like, why, what's wrong with our company? Did I choose the wrong bet with you know mm-hmm. being with this startup? Uh, and so there is there is that. And as you get along, and then you start doing the deep due diligence, you start bringing in more and more team. And then when they show up um, in their whole executive team, and they're all wearing their logos and stuff like that, you know the cat's out of the bag mm-hmm. uh, in terms of like, okay, what's going on? Like, why is there all these closed door meetings? Why is everyone? And then, uh, but I will tell you is uh, we definitely celebrated well, and they were extremely excited when it came to. Fantastic and well-deserved celebration with you and the team. Um, I, I, you know, I remember I used to have to go down to Slack's office down in San Francisco, and I think at the old office, I think they actually shared with Eventbrite, didn't they? Down on was it sixth or I can't remember what first. I can't remember what the road was in San Francisco, but I remember thinking that's so cool that Eventbrite's right here. I got to go up to the sixth floor. I think they ended up taking up like three quarters of the building before they took over the building. But did you ever, did you ever accidentally go into Slack and take over their socks because they gave away no, socks? It was really cool. I, had, I, I actually had a few pair of their socks and i should have gone into slack but it never did i mean i always just went straight into uh the eventbrite space i mean it was a it's a pretty neat space there so there's a lot to do inside there but yeah i should i should have i could have um there's just a lot of offices that you end up you end up going it's it's usually friday after drinks and you end up popping into one or another while you're down there but yeah i didn't make it there uh, well, that, I mean, that's the fun thing about San Francisco is it's like, you know, or the Valley for that. Like you go, Oh, I know that one. I know that one. I know that one. I'm probably going to know about that one. You know, it's, yeah. it really is the epicenter. It's very, it's, you know, it's different from here or even Toronto in the sense of it just, it feels like you're collecting, you know, hockey cars. I'll use a Canadian one. You feel like you're collecting hockey cars traveling around going, yeah. I want to be in that office. I want to see this place. I want to see that. But, uh, um, I have not been into Eventbrite space. I, I, I suppose, I suppose I need to do that. Well, well, well here, here's a question. Did you ever conceive of Eventbrite as a competitor or did you see them as, Hey, this is the, the, this is the acquisition journey we want to go towards. Like at what point? Staunch competitor. Competitor. Mm -hmm. Oh Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely. I mean, like it's, you know, from, from just, there's, there's nobody else that we wanted to beat. There's nobody Mm -hmm. else that we wanted to go out there. And obviously they were the biggest in the play, you know, Mm -hmm. in, in the market. And for us, it was really, really somebody that we wanted to go after. Um, Pragmatically, I knew that we weren't going to be a public play. Uh, you know, the way I look at it is startups are built to fail. If you're lucky, you may get an acquisition. If you're a unicorn, you're going to go public. And, you know, there's going to be liquidity for everybody and, and you know, and, and, their, and their pets kind of thing. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, was, I, I knew that was, you know, from the venture map, that's probably in likelihood of statistically that was going to happen. 
um, didn't know that it was going to be in Eventbrite. Uh, you know, if, if there was a, if, you know, if there was a wish, uh, that was, that would have been the wish. Well, I'm and glad. So we, yeah, yeah. And again, once, and once we started killing the onion and we started to get to know each other, we realized, and here's the thing, you know, the way I look at it is you're going to have more in common with your competitors than you are going to have with, obviously there's going to, you know, with any other business out there. Um, you know, you, you're in the same world, you're going to train the same way, you're going to talk the same way, you're going to know the same information. I think about rowing, you know, I mean, all these rowers are all there. They're, they're, they're the same breed, same people, same tribe. Once we started getting in the same room with each other, you know, we're, it was, it was like, holy man, bros. It was, it was like we were lost cousins or something like that. <laughs> it, it, we, we were, we were gelled extremely well. Um, and so that's what I was, I was really happy because, you know, like the team that, that, that joined us and went through, and these are people that have came across the world, sold homes, you know, give away their, their dogs in order to go out there and see this vision come through. You want to make sure your team's landing in a good spot and they landed in a great spot. Fantastic. You got to take care, you got to take care of everyone, right? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a team win when, when you all win. Well, how, I mean, how did they, right, right after the acquisition, how did that change the company? Oh, in a massive way. I mean, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, initially it didn't change too, too much in the sense like, uh, but there's, there's this cognitive load of really going out there and like the mothership. You're going Mm -hmm. in from sort of like a a flatter key environment, extremely startup-y to going into sort of, you know, a puzzle now where you end up having a corporate structure, it's going to a public company. So there is a transitioning in terms of, okay, what talent, where do they fit in? Um, And so there's, there is, there is definitely um, a lot in terms of just operational aspects in order to go out there and get up to speed. Uh, that was, that was interesting, uh, to figure out. Uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was, it was really unique and different and there's a lot of rules. Like for example, for myself, um, you know, like I, I'm used to being able to go, and this was the most frustrating part of the whole entire aspect is the, the, the company was going public. So we couldn't do a lot of press on the acquisition. Mm. Secondly, is that during that time when you do the acquisition, the community wants to celebrate. Our Vancouver community is it's beautiful. It is mm-hmm. it's tight. It's grown mm-hmm. in such a great, beautiful way. Um, and you know, like you said, like you, you know, you you said, Chris, you you came out. You're one of our early adopters, and you helped us. And then all of a sudden, they want to have you speak, or they want you to end up going out there and, and be and. I couldn't do any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, I was really tapered in terms of what I could speak. How, and I wanted to go out there and help the community and communicate with them. And it was like, no, it was tapered. We were a public company. You, you got to be careful. And that was the, the most challenging part of it is just not being able to give back uh, the way that we wanted to. But now that's all changed and we can talk about this. And hopefully <laughs> there's going to be a few stories and some lessons that we can share. And hope, uh, hope, hopefully it helps other folks along their journey. Fantastic. Well, did they ever, did they ever bluntly tell you why they wanted to acquire you? Like what is, what did they see as the value? There's, there's something that I think that, you know, it's, a, I would say that we really did well as we, we built an API for events. So effectively, mm-hmm. so we, we, we were like, we, you know, we said, okay, the GA market, the general assembly market in terms of going on there and setting up your own event and individuals putting on the one or two off events. So that's cool. But then we were like, okay, we have a software to software approach. We're going to go out there and really get after the developers. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, we felt like, okay, who, who's going to be control of the stack? It's like, the engineers are at the end of the day, you know, you can have as much business pay, business folks come in and we can white paper that if it's not going to go out there and, you know, and it's going to create a whole bunch of, you know, 
headache and I think that we're going to get pushback. So, so how do we market to the engineers? How do we make their lives easy? Don't send them down rabbit holes. How do we make sure that is you can see hello world really quickly, uh, you know, for them. And so that's what we decided to do. And then on top of that, we started partnering with, with Facebook and we started partnering with Airbnb and all these different, and that's when we started to really get notice. People started noticing us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was all on, you know, sort of underneath the, the waterline if you will, because we were like, okay, well, if we can do software and software and build, people can build on top of us, you know, we're a lot rooted in and we have a lot more defensibility. Uh, and, and all of a sudden now they're putting on thousands of events instead of one or two. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, the and, API, I mean, that's the power, right? That's the scalability. That's the saying, Hey, you don't have to come to my house. I'm going to go to your house, you know, mm-hmm. which, which I think is, you know, the right way of looking at it. So I think, I think that's cool. Well, here, Canadian company, did they ever have any intrepidations, any concerns about uh, dealing with someone in Vancouver, or or was that was that not even not even mentioned? Yeah, no. It was, I mean, listen, I mean, there they, we came down here. I had uh, you know the the, the Vancouver. Uh, we had the Vancouver Economic Council. We had a whole bunch of folks come in and with their team and our team and kind of sell Vancouver. Love in terms that. Of that. And and so they came in and and uh, they came in and talked about the benefits of Vancouver. We had. Um, accounting firms come through and talk about like the economic benefits around all the, you know, the taxation credits around mm-hmm. that piece. So, so there is interpretation in terms of, okay, yeah, it's Canada, but like why, why Canada? Like where, you know, is there perhaps maybe other teams that might be able to, like, this is now that I found out afterwards. Uh, so they did a lot of research um, around that, around that piece, but inevitably like there's just so much benefit in order mm-hmm. to, to setting up shop in Canada, as you can see, every big logo in tech has done it now and they, they're seeing it. Um, Pretty much. And so, yeah, it was, it was, it wasn't a hard sell by any means at, at the end of the day. Well, I, I, I totally did that. I love the fact I, I didn't even thought about that, but of course there's all these great organizations, local organizations that are here to sing the hymns and praises of, you know, the city and the opportunity here. Why not bring them into that conversation? Because, you know, once they, once they have Picatick in their crown, you know, and that is a feather in the crown, what else do they want that's from here? And, and what's the benefits? And, you know, you should be, you know, creating a multiplier effect, um, you know, through these groups because they love it too. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm going gonna, gonna to steal that from you. Honestly, I, I love yeah. that. I think anyone that's listening should be piggybacking on that. Please do. I mean, and they're, they're just, I mean, the resources they have and what they can put together. And there's like an arm's reach of, of, you know, of somewhat unbiased information that they can provide you know, about, about the, the city, about the economic conditions, about, you know, what the 10 year, five year and, you know, 20 year roadmap that we just don't have, we're not privy to that they can mm-hmm. bring out, which is just, and also you know, when you can bring those folks out and they're, they're more than happy to come out. Mm -hmm. It just, it just really strains like the fact that, okay, you know, these folks are, these they're supported by the community. Um, And that's one of our competitive advantages, knowing that our community is so supportive and and there, there there's a ton of people out there that are are willing to help. For sure. For sure. I mean, I can't tell you how often, and I'm sure you share this as well, that you, you, you're in the Valley, you're in San Francisco and you mentioned you're from Vancouver. And the first thing they say is I love Vancouver. Like so many people have come up here. It's, it's a bit of, it's a bit of a wonderful surprise. I got to say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, I can, I'm, I'm, I'm biased, but I mean, I've gone through <laughs> living in all those other cities. It's a real special place. It's a real mm-hmm. special place mm-hmm. to live. And, um, and the community has definitely grown in the last 10 years it's oh yeah it's just getting more and more special 
Oh yeah, we're starting to get some anchors here, something that we really need. So I'm I'm excited yeah. about you know the the explosion of Adapter Labs or any of these things and what they're going to bring uh, to yeah. the next to the next chapter. I got to say, well, well, speaking of like the next chapter, tell me about Gunky. Where did this come from? And uh, wow. this is a very a very different you know this is a right turn for uh, for from uh, Picatech. Tell tell me all about that. Yeah. Okay. Listen, I appreciate you asking. We haven't gone live with it yet, but maybe by the time that it'll be. You know, we air this on 420 is when we're going to go live with a Kickstarter. But yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a very Vancouver day. Very Vancouver um, day. No very, Snoop Dogg this year, but then we'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, basically, I sat, I was, I was sitting at home post COVID, like all of us, we were sitting on our couch and, and just contemplating. Again, forcing functions of COVID gives you time to think and realizing this is going to sound kind of a little meta, but it's kind of asking myself who am I outside of being in the events world and, and a founder and I just there's a lot of opportunity that was coming in uh but I just like okay I'm gonna take a breath realize that I didn't spend as much time as I should have with my with my my son because I was running a startup and I couldn't spend as much time with my wife as I should have um and my wife realized that she has ran, built a really successful business she's a performance marketer top 40 under 40 oh Three, three undergrads, masters, all that other stuff. And she's just, mm-hmm. she missed her clients millions and millions of books. And I was like, hey, listen, I want to build another company. Um, and so, I, again, I was thinking about what are the, some of the fortune functions that are going to happen. Um, and these are some bets I have outside of COVID. One is, is that we're going to rethink work, uh, which I think it's going to be, you know, the distributed team model in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, which is really kind of what tech is kind of already doing, but really akin to. Uh, I think that is going to be something that I really want to play in. Uh, and then e-com, uh, you know, cut fast forwarded a decade. I saw people like my parents who didn't have Facebook four years ago. They're buying things online now, which is neat. <laughs> so I was like, uh, you know, I want to try and get into the CPG DDC market. Uh, and so there's one thing that I love is, is, is and this is going to sound super weird and, and, and unique, but I love tongue scraping. Um, and who, so doesn't? When you're, who doesn't? Who well, <laughs> doesn't? The, these are the tongue scrapers. I got one here, but this is what we grew up. If you're an Indo-Canadian or Indian, it's broken mm-hmm. right now. It's a little flimsy because they're mm-hmm. kind of cheap. But this is what we grew up with from India. Really? And so it has product market fit in India. I've been doing it for the last 20 years. I got all my friends using them. So I told my wife, and my wife uses it, a tongue scraper. And I was like, hey, I want to build the world's sexiest tongue scraper. <laughs> so long and short, uh, we have since built the world's sexiest tongue scraper. So we built, this is what it looks like. Uh, nice. This is the packaging. So it's called Gunky. Uh, mm-hmm. It's going to be launching in, uh, like I said, in, in a couple of days, but it's, it's, it's beautiful, beautifully engineered you know, mm-hmm. from our standpoint, but yeah, it's, there's a lot of engineering that goes into this, but this is what it is. It's a tongue scraper. And uh, we hope that, you know, the state of the world's relationship one breath at a time. I love that. Well, so here we go. You showed me one that was, well, maybe you said it was broken, but it was, it looked more like almost like a pick, you know, yeah. that's a one-handed one. Now you've got a two-handed one with gunky. Is that like maximum yeah. benefit of pole or what's, what's the, what's the oh. engineering belief behind that? The, okay, well, I mean, I'll get a little bit geeky here, but we do that's have fine. We're getting geeky. In our, it, yeah. In the, the porosity of the metal is in order for it to be thin on top and have the rigidity, Mm-hmm. And the arm, we need to make sure that we can end up having the right porosity, the right cure rate, have it really sexy so that there's no lines around it, and have mm-hmm. the flexibility so it doesn't break uh, when you're going out there if you have bigger or smaller mouth. This, there's so much engineering in something like this that it, mm-hmm. it, it baffled me. Again, it's one of these dumbfounded things. You get into things and you're just like, it was not as easy as I thought it was. Um, so this <laughs> is this is what it is. So to have the arms and the arch, 
Um, that's it. This one and this one was the same way, mm-hmm. um, but you know it was flimsy because it's all thin. Now, mm. going back to your question, why did we want it? We wanted to go out there so that you have the right scrape. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is weird to talk about, but it's like no, no, no. Having the right <laughs> scrape, um, you know, pressure per square inch on your tongue to get that layer of gunk, and it is disgusting. Uh, come off and. Yeah, you see it, and it's there. It's just, yeah, it works like a charm, and we're really thrilled about it. Well, 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 if you didn't have the right scrape, how could you ever say it's the sexiest tongue scraper in the world? So come on, <laughs> yeah. you know, we, yeah. we 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 definitely understand that. Well, well, you know, you 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 touched a little bit about the next, you know, the next chapter besides, you know, gunky and you know, touching tongues. We'll leave that one out. But um, mm-hmm. there's a post that we read on social media, and I just kind of want to touch on that because you, you you shared regarding about the layoffs in March of 2020, of mm-hmm. course, when you know. Yeah. COVID just hit and it got a little crazy, but you focused on making sure the team was taken care of. Um, why did you think that was important? And, and, and was this something personal that you needed to do? Yeah, I, I haven't really talked about it too much. About that. And thank you for bringing it up. Um, and definitely didn't do it to, to get any type of recognition or, or anything of that sort. But when you're starting um, a startup, I mean, Again, like I mentioned, often my belief is startups are meant to fail, and that means that there's people that are jumping on board, and they're in the prime of their lives to really go out there and go after a vision that you've created. Uh, and these are people, like I mentioned earlier, that you know we've had one that had to give a dog away, sell their mm-hmm. house, partners have had to get new jobs, people have crossed over many ponds in order to grow and be, be here. Um, and when they are in a situation where they've championed yet and they're around you as a leader, it has always been my I, I, ideas as a servitude. My job is to go out mm-hmm. there and help bring the best of you, bring alignment and making sure that I'm serving you the best of the way that I possibly can. Uh, and when we did the transition from our company and the acquisition, making sure that they were settled and they got the right position and the right career was important. And then all of a sudden, Eventbrite uh, laid off 50% of its workforce and we had to deprecate Canada, those are my people. Uh, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so, you know, and those are my people. And as much as, as much as we got acquired, I, you know, I still feel responsible. And mm-hmm. it was, you know, I wanted to go out there and use every power that I potentially had in order to go out there and make sure that they found employment and gainful employment. And uh, I'm happy to let you know that everyone found a place and they landed, you know, where they needed to be. And, and, uh, you know, it worked out extremely well because um, it was a really touchy time at that, at that, at that, at that transition point. I bet. And, and especially, I mean, I, I understand, you know, in, in, the perspective of the company in the sense of it's an event company. And that's, you know, one mm-hmm. of the industries that got hit, hit the hardest. Um, you know, you need to, you need to think about the bottom line, but you need to think about employees. Like I, you know, one of the things I think that was most proud out of March, well, well two, two, two thoughts on this. Cause I, cause I agree. I mean, when we had to all of a sudden, you know, fly from, from the coop of this office to, to, to working from home. Um, one of the first things we did is we, you know, figured out, well, what's the runway? Like, you know, where say, mm-hmm. say everything drops off the face of the earth. What's the runway that we can do? And, secondly, whose jobs are probably going to be less important in the remote world as opposed to the local world? Um, you know, like, you know, the, a front desk person, for example, okay, who's, who's fantastic. How do we train them up to be something that, you know, is going to create value? And, and so we spent time, you know, okay, you're now doing HR with us, you know, like, let's figure that out. But, but, but one of the things that I think was important in terms of community, and I think, you know, what leverages from what you're saying is when things started happening and people were getting laid off in, en masse, um, and again, understandably with the fear and everything, is how many groups popped up 
um, you know, run by, oh, I can't remember. I can't remember. It's kind of like the Vivian, the Vivian Chan's groups or, you know, these sort of things where they had these spreadsheets across Canada an Excel uh, 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 or a Google doc that was like, here, here's the people that just got laid off. Here's the skill, find them jobs. And I remember looking, I'm going, oh, we'll take three of them. We'll take, you know, this and, and other people, other, other people too. And it was like, it felt so comfortable to know that people really did care. And, you know, because I think it is important, exactly what you said. I think it's so important to take care of everyone because they're the ones who are going to take care of you. You know, so yeah. anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm babbling, but I, I, I really respected that, that, that message that, that, that you stated. And, and I, and I, you know, I, I share and treasure it in the very same way that we need to take care of everyone. And I think as Canadians, you know, we are looking to do that. I'm, I get called a, a socialist a, ro- a lot of times, especially down in the States, especially for my, my Texas mm-hmm. kin in the States. And mm-hmm. you know what my answer is? Yeah, right. We, we are, <laughs> we take care of each other. Cause that's important, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. well, well, you know, um, well, t- tell you what, just give me one one piece of advice what, for that young that young individual that young mm. young lady the young man who is just about to start off in the entrepreneurial world of a startup. What's one piece of advice you can give them? Oh man, I I could I'll sing this from the rooftops in terms of advice I give young entrepreneurs. Number one is the um, uh, failure is just a data point. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to romance failure, but it is just, it is the recipe in order to success and understand that failure is a data point. Um, the highs are going to be as low as high as the lows are going to be as lows. And as you get used to it and becoming more akin to failure, you're going to realize that that new comfort zone of being working in failure is where you're going to have probably your biggest growth, your biggest epiphanies, your biggest movements. Um, mm-hmm. So there, you know, so I encourage you to understand and appreciate and, and, and perhaps if you have, if you're not really um, comfortable with failure is, is really redefine that relationship with it because my new comfort zone is uncomfortability. Uh, and that's generally because I know that I'm really growing and developing uh, and it's tough and it's, 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 you know, there's nothing easy about it and there is no easy button about it. So that would be the, the, the one thing mixed with the next piece is that invest in yourself and continue to become a lifelong learner. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you know, there's, I've never gone wrong with investing in myself of, you know, getting a degree degree. I have one. Uh, that is maybe just a stepping stone in terms of where I am and where I'm going. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you you know, I think in humans, and this is just, I mean, it's not proven, but in my, the way I look at it is what, what year am I going to plateau where I'm just like, okay, I have stopped forwardly progressing to a point where like, I am just, you know, regressing in terms of my knowledge, in terms of new, you know, new, new ability to create. Uh, but the point being back to it is, is that if you continually invest in yourself and you continually, that's a tool that nobody in a, that can take away from you. Um, and you're just going to go out there and create opportunity for opportunity that, that is, 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 is crazy. And, 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 um, those are the things that I would, I'd recommend to entrepreneurs specifically. Um, and so yeah, hopefully that's I love helpful. it. And I, I love wear it. my failures with a, da- a badge of honor. Like they're just, I will talk about them to the, to the, to, and they're proud. They're proud. I feel the scars make you stronger, right? Scars make you stronger. So, uh, Hey, Jess, this is so much fun. I gotta say, I I really enjoyed it. Did you want to say again, when, when is, uh, so on April 20th on Kickstarter, we're going to see Gunky. Yeah. April 20th on Kickstarter. uh, Anybody out there that's, is interested to go out there and take some disgusting stuff. That's, I mean, if, if you only knew what was on there and if you don't know what we're talking about it, it is disgusting. We call it disgustingly satisfying. 
um, you know, come on there. We love your support. It takes a community to get us going, and uh, it's something that uh, we're really appreciative, and we'll thank you in advance if you do help us. Fantastic. Fantastic. And you know what? The next, I, I'm going to have to get one myself and I'm going to have my paneer tikka masala, which is my favorite meal as, as, a, as a hardcore vegetarian <laughs> nice. that I am. And I'm going to scrape it after. And I, I think it's just going to be Nirvana. So I'm very excited about that. But Jayesh, thank you so much. Good luck with the next chapter. And, uh, you know, let's stay in touch because honestly, I know you're going to create bigger and better things. And uh, I, I, I'm really excited about the learnings that uh, you shared with us today. So thank you. Uh, thank you, Chris. Great chat with you. Cheers. Ahoy, Afternoon Tea listeners. If you got this far, I assume you liked this episode, and that is awesome. Thank you. In such a case, please rate and review Afternoon Tea Podcast and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your feeds from. Afternoon Tea is a podcast with a goal to share the stories of Canada's successful tech entrepreneurs in order to prepare the next wave of founders. We do have some great guests lined up for future episodes, but we would love to hear your thoughts too. Please do let us know who you think should be on the show. You can do so by emailing me at podcast at ttt.studio. That is P-O-D-C-A-S-T at TTT, that is three T's, dot studio. You will notice there is no dot com because we are that sophisticated. Furthermore, you can find us at social media at TTT underscore studios. I look forward to chatting with you soon.